This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, feast week time. Can already taste that Thanksgiving dinner time. Pretty solid weekend for Tennessee time. Didn't get off to the best start time. Then it got a lot better time. Senior week time. Lots to discuss on this episode time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a a chilly uh, but pleasant, a chilly but otherwise pleasant Monday afternoon here at Fort Rucker Studio. God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. Not a, not a bad day. It's under 50 degrees, lower than 50, so that means I got to cry about it a little bit, but, but we'll be all right. We got jackets. We'll be all right. Let's go across town here to an undisclosed location somewhere, somewhere in the greater Knoxville area. Get to the one and the only Patrick Brown. Pat, what's up, man? Not much. A, uh, a rare Monday podcast appearance for myself. Normally, I'm doing the post game one. Yeah, the uh, we, we were gonna, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and good plans, right? So we always tried. We had some technical. We had some technical difficulties, Wes. Yeah, a little bit. We had somebody. I don't know if it was a zig or a zag, whatever it was. Uh, we, we were not able to get it done. But you know, we've had Pat on Mondays before, so it works out all right. Plenty to discuss on this episode. It started out as a weekend for the Tennessee Athletic Department. Didn't start so great uh, with the Vols. Uh, getting hammered uh, in in hoops by fifth-ranked Villanova up there at the Hall of Fame tip-off in Connecticut. After that, though, things got a whole lot better. Tennessee took care of business, just thumped South Alabama in football 60-14. to And then the next day, the Lady Vols beat uh, a ranked team in Texas. Uh, And then right after that, on the same network on ESPN, uh, Tennessee men just took South North Carolina behind the woodshed. They made North Carolina basketball look like South Carolina football. They just kind of hammered them 89 to 72 over a ranked North Carolina team. Uh, so, so hey, now, now get, don't, don't, don't you be slandering the Gamecocks now they're bowl eligible despite, despite Shane Beamer's best efforts. Yeah. I, I gotta be honest. There's this whole like love for Shane Beamer thing going on. And I, 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 I don't know if you saw, but he got emotional and talked about getting bowl eligible. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy for the guy, for his team. I, I just, I think there's, I think they're putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Some national media talking about Beamer. There's still a lot to prove there, and that's still a difficult place to get it done. Not like Tennessee can talk, really. Tennessee's got its own issues. But, you know, right now, uh, if things go uh, the way that Vegas and others think they'll go this weekend, which is a trifecta of, 
uh, Tennessee beating Vanderbilt on Saturday, and then uh, Alabama beating Auburn, and then Clemson beating South Carolina. If those three things happen, then uh, Josh Heupel uh, will end this regular season with the most wins of any Power Five, new Power Five coach in the country. Uh, which, when you think of, I haven't looked at the updated stats, but but last week, going into last week, Tennessee had the the toughest schedule statistically in college football. Tennessee dealt with what thirty or so almost player losses after last season. It was just kind of crazy, and then a couple that, that happened in the off season early this season as well. And all of those things happen, and you know, a team with what well below the the number of scholarships you would normally have in a year like this. And Tennessee might end with a seven and five season. Might have more wins than any new Power Five coach in the country. So I get that um, that, that Shane Beamer is getting some of of that love, but really the SEC coach of the race right, SEC coach of the year race right now. You know, you got Kirby Smart, you got Josh Heupel, you got Mark Stoops. I mean, any other one than those three would be foolish, right? Well, you got two of the big big. Uh big programs in this conference are looking for coaches. Um, yeah. That also happened over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Florida firing Dan Mullen uh, to jump into to that race. So uh, two of Tennessee's big games next year, LSU and Florida both have uh, first-year head coaches. But, yeah, in terms of SEC coach of the year, I love a high zone, but I, I don't know how you don't put Kirby Smart. You I have mean, to. You have to. There, there's there's being undefeated and 11-0, to and then there's what that team has done. They pretty much kicked everyone's tail. Uh, since the first week against Clemson when that game was 10 to three, but it felt like it felt like Georgia was like way better. It, it did. Game. Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown and, in that game, but still, you know, it, it's, it felt like Georgia was the better team. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I think that, you know, and that's unfortunate for Heifel because, you know, co- these coaches get bonus money if they win stuff like that. And uh, I would say certainly, uh, if it wasn't for what Kirby Smart is doing, I think he would be, you know, he might be the pick based on what he's done, uh, taking this bunch and overachieving. And um, I don't, I, you know, what's our plan on this podcast? Do we have one? Are we talking much about South Alabama? Are we going to just talk about yeah, bowls? Are we going to talk yeah. about Bandy? What's what's the what's the what are we doing? Here? We're we're going to wrap up a little bit from that game over the weekend in the first segment and and talk about the sort of news things that that have occurred and then and then we'll talk Vandy and bowl games I think probably more in the second segment because you know technical issues we weren't able to get something went wrong Saturday night and it was like three o'clock in the morning so we're not really going to be uh, troubleshooting <laughs> technical issues at three o'clock in the morning so here we are um, but yeah I mean I I, I think it, it's when you talk about that coach of the year stuff it, it's like people always say you know, or, or there's there's like some bias against the team that has the best record because you think, well, he had the best roster. Of course, he should he should be winning. Well, he had to recruit that roster, did he not? Like that's also a huge part of coaching. Ask Dan Mullen why he's no longer at Florida. I think you might get some people saying because of the recruiting stuff, and that took it downhill. So that is a part of the job. So I think it's Kirby Smart. There's no question about it. But I just. I find it interesting, and, and I get that, that the narrative is an ever-changing thing, but it just seems like there's been a lot of Beamer love in the past couple, you know, whatever, 48 hours. And I, I, I think people are forgetting that, you know, Heupel's had the much better year. Yeah, and, and there was the whole thing where Tennessee beat South Carolina 38-7, to and I don't think if they played right now, the game would go much differently. It wouldn't probably. Um, but, it, 
but yeah, the, the big thing with the game the other night, and this was one of my big takeaways. I spent a little bit writing about this is that this team getting bowl eligible with a game to spare or getting bowl eligible at all. Uh, I, you know, at Tennessee, it's a, it's a place where you shouldn't, you know, throw a parade, build a statue for six or seven win seasons uh, or going to bowl games, but that should be like the minimum requirement. Um, that said, uh, anybody that's just, you know, discounting what this team getting to six wins is just ignoring the context of it um, and ignoring the significance of it, because obviously uh, every season is, you know, any analysis is worthless without, without context, right? Uh, what yeah. happened the previous year um, for this program was a bunch of crap. And that's, that's the word we're using because we're a family podcast. Um, so that's true. A lot of things, a lot of things went wrong. Um, and there were a lot of reasons to believe, you know, Tennessee might really have a tough year. Um, and, and not only are the wins what they are, but the performances have been encouraging. They've been competitive. Um, and, and really, you know, if they beat Vanderbilt, they're going to finish seven and five, but they're two, you know, 12 points away from being nine and three potentially. And, and those teams they lost to Pittsburgh might win the ACC. Uh, and Ole Miss might play in a New Year's Six Bowl if they beat Mississippi State. Go, what were they, 10 and two? Yeah. Um, so, and, and then, you know, Georgia and Florida, Georgia and Alabama, you were, you know, you were in the Bama game for three plus quarters. Yeah. Georgia game, you weren't really in, but some of the reasons you weren't in, because you 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 made mistakes so uh, and then the florida game you know it happened it, it happened it's tennessee florida it's just the way time works time is a flat circle and, where tennessee always loses to florida and, and and it's all gone downhill for florida so maybe somehow somehow some way tennessee broke the gators i don't know but well, to pl- ignore what all uh this this program went through from a roster standpoint from the late coaching turnover to the cloud with the ncaa stuff um, as you mentioned, Wes, this team has had what 60 available and you know, scholarship available scholarship numbers in the 60s most Saturdays. Yeah, um, it's not, it's not like they've had a perfect year either, in terms of you know, this is a team with no depth, but it's not like they've been completely healthy either, right? I mean, the backfield has been hit with injuries, the offensive line has been shuffling quite a bit. Um, you know, they had the situ- situation with Juwan Mitchell, a guy they brought in to bolster the linebacker position. He played three games, was barely a factor this season. The secondary, they've had to mix and match and plug guys in at certain times. So they, they've had to sort of deal with some adversity on top of everything that went on um, before they even kicked the ball off. So um, for this staff to get this group of players that have, you know, we've talked to some of these seniors um, over, you know, over the course of the season and, of course, talked to Bayless Jones and, uh, Jay Blakely on, on Monday, you know, Blakely's been here since, since the, since the Obama administration, right? Yeah, at least I was thinking like maybe even Reagan, man, he's been there forever. Uh, I think he signed in 16. So, I mean, he, he's, you know, some of these, some of these guys are going to be running through the key on, on Saturday night, uh, against Vanderbilt are going to be doing it and shaking the hand of their third different head coach. So, um, and Heupel said it Monday, the thing he'll remember most about this senior class is that they, you know, took on that adversity and, and didn't flinch and, and ran straight through it and, and came out on the other side better for it. And, um, yeah, I, I think this team, the staff has done it. You, you've seen a lot of things that as a Tennessee fan, you have to be encouraged about the way they start games, um, the, you know, the way that for the most part, they don't commit a bunch of penalties, um, it, it, you know, the way they, again, the way they start games defensively, they're, they're making it work. Um, you've seen a lot of reasons to be uh, encouraged um, and, and, you know, to, for them to take this roster and, and get to get it to where it's gotten 
Um, I think it's it's a testament to to not only their ability to scheme and do the X's and O's and, and, and that, but to get guys motivated to play. And the South Alabama game was a great example of it because that would have been a perfect game for Tennessee to sleepwalk through. you got a Sunbelt team. It's cold. The stadium's not like it was against Georgia or Ole Miss. Um, you've been waiting around all day for the night kickoff. You've coming off the Georgia game, which was draining. Um, you know, all these things could have played into Tennessee coming out and kind of um, going through the motions a little bit, maybe making things a little bit more difficult on themselves. And that game was never in doubt. I mean, Tennessee scored on its first, what, seven possessions. The defense mm-hmm. really gave up, what, two drives and then the big play in the fourth quarter against the, the second team. I mean, it was a pretty dominating win. And, and you know, I, I don't think that can be discounted uh, for a group of players or for a coaching staff, the ability to get a team uh, ready to play against an inferior opponent. And I pointed that out in, in the report card that I wrote on Sunday. Um, and some one of the comments on the checkerboard was like, the Titans should should take a lesson in that. <laughs> they yeah. lost to the Texans. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the ability the ability to come out and take care of business against the inferior team can't be discounted. And, and that's what Tennessee did against South Alabama. And I think the big picture thing was uh, this team getting bowl eligible, which, you know, we talked about Beamer getting emotional in, in interviews. Hypo after the game was like, yeah, we didn't really talk about it going in, but it's a big deal. Yeah. Hi, it's just hi, really hi, like flatline answer to that. Whereas, you know, you, you know, contrast that to what, you know, to what you saw in Columbia, but whatever. Yeah. Hypel, Hypel, and I think this is a feather in his cap for this season. He, he never, uh, and we may be a little bit jaded about this because we saw it, but, but Hypel throughout the season ha- has not, you know, celebrated a fake punt like he had just won the Super Bowl when his team was down by like a million points. So he hasn't done that. Uh, so, you know, that's, that was I'll, I, I, it's how many times have we talked about that since then in the recent weeks it was like you remember when that happened we make fun of it a lot yeah you remember remember when, remember when that happened when South Carolina fake, got the fake punt and acted like they just won the Super Bowl and it's like hey you're still losing by like a billion points uh you know I, I get it you're trying to fire your team up but but I do think there's something to be said for for the way that Tennessee came out to play the game it's not like Tennessee you know, took a couple early punches and then woke up and got into the game, which would have been understandable. But the way that they just went out there with, like, military precision, one, two, one, two, left, right, left, right, just threw a bunch of haymakers at South Alabama early and did exactly what you want the the, the heavily favored team to do in that situation. Again, I, I'm not saying we're, anybody should be scheduling a, a parade or, or pouring the mold for a statue, but – Think about where things were, you know, just, what, seven, eight, nine months ago? And, and to to be one win away from Vanderbilt from, from a seven-win regular season, I, I don't – I'm not going to stop people. I'm, I'm not going to try to stop people from being excited. I mean, I, I, I understand that if you want to talk about the big picture – that sure recruiting is going to have to step up a notch. I think it'll it'll definitely go up a notch. The question is, will it go up the two or three or four notches it needs to, to to rebuild this roster? Because you look at someone like Mullen, and he's one of the better offensive minds around. I think people would mostly still agree with that. But he never got the roster to a point where it should be at a place like Florida because they didn't recruit well enough. And and that's going to be the next thing for the long term is, okay, now you've you've at least said you're not going to self-impose a ball ban. You've said that you're, you know, the NCAA still got to decide what it's going to do, but more or less, you know, you know that it's not going to be probably terrible. Now you've 
proven that you can go out there and that you play a fun brand of football and not just the the offense. I mean, they're still top 10 nationally in tackles for loss. I mean, that they, they attack on defense too, despite being having a bit of a short stack there, they still attack. They attack on special teams. Look at the special team scores this year, block punts and, you know, returns for touchdowns and, you know, they're attacking in every phase of the game, which is the way that Hypo wants them to play. And, and I think it's so easy to to get tripped up in sort of minutia and not see the big picture, which is look at what's happened since January or February. I mean, it's it's been pretty good. I don't think how I don't know that people could ask for a lot more. I mean, sure, you could ask for you know a couple spots of the ball being better, a couple of decisions you made against Ole Miss and, and Pitt, and then you're not you know now all of a sudden you maybe go nine and three, and is this a New Year's six team sneaking in there? I mean, what you know or, or a Citrus Bowl or whatever. Okay, I get it, but to be where they are with what they have, I hope people, and I think they do, a- appreciate that because I, I think that's something yeah. that, that that's it's it's something. This program had so many different scenarios, right? You talk about like the multiverse and everything, Pat, and and so many different things could have happened. But what actually has happened has been one of the better case scenarios you could have imagined, right? Yeah, our uh, our colleague Josh Pate does a great sh- a great job with the late kick. He had a tweet on Monday talking about Michigan State. I guess people are down on Michigan State because Ohio State beat their brains in um, the other day. Ohio State appears to be on. Uh, they might actually be able to play Georgia now. Yeah, um, pretty tough. But um, talking about how their their win total before the season was four, they're nine and two, and now people are saying you know kind of trashing them. And it's like, you know, don't recalibrate the expectations. Okay, we've seen what Tennessee has been, and if you want to see what Tennessee's been, you might well say, well, they should have beaten Pittsburgh or they should have beaten Ole Miss, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they had those games there, whatever. Um, Going into the season, I mean, the, the the win total for Tennessee was six, right? I mean, uh, yeah. And when I say, I, I think we all said six, except for the idiot Grant who said seven, but that was just blind well, luck. Well, Grant Grant's going to glow, but he didn't get their SEC record right, assuming they beat Vanderbilt. So he's not all he's cracked up to be in his yeah, own mind. That's true. Um, overrated. And yes, final verdict. Yes, overrated. Idiot, is, idiot. Yes. Um, and, and I know all of us, like I said, picked him to get to six wins, but. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a, a, a given. It wasn't a foregone conclusion. And, you know, I said earlier it's a minimum requirement. Tennessee's path to getting a, to a bowl game every year, it's not that hard, let's be honest, even when Tennessee kind of sucks. Yes. Um, because you just have to beat three group of five teams or two group of five teams, your FCS, FCS opponent, and then you have to beat three of the other teams in the East, which are Vanderbilt, Missouri, Kentucky, and South Carolina. Now, at times over the past, you know, the Tennessee's been kind of wandering – you know, South Carolina cycled up for a little bit under Spurrier. Vanderbilt had James Franklin. You know, Mark Stoops has Kentucky. Uh, he's built Kentucky to a point where he's getting mentioned for, you know, the Florida job and maybe sure. a couple others um, because he's done a good job there. And then uh, you look at Tennessee since, you know, last made the SEC championship game. Over the past 13 years, they've missed bowl games more than they've made them, mm-hmm. right? So it's never a foregone conclusion that uh, – and this year in particular wasn't uh, – you know, it was not a given that they were going to do that, but, um, you know, they've done it and they've done it with a game to spare. And, and you know, the performances have been, uh, you know, like I said, really encouraging, you know, with, with everything that's gone on, you know, they've gotten the offense to play at a really high level. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just the jump from where they were last season to what they've done. Yeah, could, could, this season. could finish with more points than any team in program history. 
Right. I mean, you're talking about, um, you know, a team that, that offensively was a mess last season, you know, in, in a span of, I would say really the fifth game against Missouri is when it kind of started taking off. The staff figured out, you know, obviously they got the quarterback situation, figured out that was the big thing. Um, and then defensively, they, they, they look like a well-coached group. They don't, you don't see a lot of busts. You don't see a lot of guys out of, you know, out of position a lot. You know, sometimes they get beat. Sometimes the other team just makes a good play. We've seen that over the last two games. You know, George obviously did it quite a bit. And then, um, you know, uh, the, the Jalen Tolbert kid from South Alabama is a really good player. He's Probably really, the best group of five wide receiver that, that there is this season. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he, he, he made a couple of catches on Warren Burrell. That's like, I mean, you know, what else do you want him to do? He's, he's in pretty good position. The, just, the only way to defend it better is to have a DPI and not get called for it. And he got called for uh, at least once. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, you hear this in basketball a lot, but sometimes good offense just beats good defense. It happens. Yeah. Um, but, and, and I think looking, you know, spinning the, the bowl thing forward, uh, I, I don't believe in, you know, you get momentum. If you, you know, if you make a bowl game, it's going to mean anything for your, for your next season. Whatever, whoever Tennessee plays, wherever they play, if they beat them, what they do in that game is going to have zero impact on how the 2022 season goes. Yeah, it might yeah, change be a, expectations be, be, a little bit. Be a different roster completely. I mean, you could right. have a new quarterback. You could have all kinds of different stuff. Right. But it, 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 it is a reward for this team. Now, it's not, you know, if Florida beats Florida State on Saturday and they get to play in a bowl game, that's, I don't know that that's a reward, so to speak. A lot of those players might have been checked out by then. But um, in Tennessee's case, this is a chance for a team that that's, seemed to have a lot more fun than they did last season. Um, and and yeah. I think that's pretty clear. A team that's, that's enjoyed being around each other and being a team gets to extend its shelf life a little bit more, right? Yeah, they get to be and, together and got, for another month. Yeah, and they got to play. I mean, they looked like they were having a blast on Saturday night. It was cold. You know, the stadium wasn't the way it normally is, but they were they were jacked up, man. They were ready. Right. And and it gives Heifel and the staff, We talk, you know, you talked about the importance of recruiting. You have to recruit better players. I think we know that. They know that. This progress is, gives you something tangible to sell, and it was easy – you know, until the season started for Tennessee to say, you know, for Josh Heupel to say, you know, to, to skill players maybe on on offense, hey, look, look what look what I've done in the in the numbers I put up. And now they've got tangible games to say, hey, this is what we'll do. You'll come here, you'll put up a lot of points, you'll play a fast style. Um, you know, defense, you'll you'll be able to play if you're defensive lineman, we'll let you play vertical and make a bunch of plays in the backfield. Um, you know, take a guy like Byron Young for any edge rushers, hey, we're gonna get you open on twist to go make sacks. Um, you know, just all these, you know, th there's a lot, there's a product for them to sell now and there's progress for them to sell now. So uh, I, I don't think them getting to six wins um, and potentially a seventh still left to play for and an eighth if they, you know, depending on who they get in, in the postseason. I mean, that, that's a lot of positivity to sell, right? That's something that, that you can take to not only high school recruits, but junior college guys that, that you're targeting to come in and, and, and play right away and, and transfer portal guys, because, um, that that's the way things are now. That's going to be for Tennessee and for a lot of teams. It's going to be a big part of their roster building, roster management. Is they're going to go find guys in the portal that they can plug into spots and and make a difference. So all of these things now, and, and the best example is is probably a quarterback, right? Everybody's worried about what Hinton Hooker is going to do. We, we don't know. It, I think it's up in the air. It could go either way at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I would lean probably more toward. It's not a fifty-fifty. I would say slight lean toward going, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's the big question. That's sort of the elephant in the room right now with Tennessee's program, right? Because you have this guy that if he came back, you could probably legitimately make, you know, start a Heisman campaign around him for what, you know, the numbers he's put up. But 
Uh, you know, they're worried about what happens if he decides to go pro. Well, if you're Tennessee, you're, you're probably sitting pretty pretty if you're very pretty if you've got a chance to – if you've got a quarterback opening because any any quarterback that jumps in the portal, you're going to be pretty appealing to, right? Yeah, um, should be. So that's that's, you know – that's what the season has done, and that's what them taking the step of, of getting to six wins and, and clinching a bowl game is going to um, – that, that's what it will hopefully create. They hope that, you know, that recruiting can benefit from, from what they've done on the field. But you know what? you got to finish the drill, and that's something that we're going right. to talk about here in the second segment. We're going to spin it forward a little bit, talk about Vandy, obviously. It's the, the in-state rivalry. Doesn't I don't think this has a name, this rivalry. I think it sort of needs one. They need to figure something out. You know, I don't know. You don't want to call it the Governor's Cup because people have already done that. But find something. Find something. You know, make this a put, – put a trophy in this game. Uh, do something fun with it like that. I think that would be fun to do. But regardless, Tennessee's got to go play that game. So let's talk about Vandy. Let's talk about any reasons for concern this week. Let's talk about potential bowl sites, potential bowl destinations for this team. We know it's going bowling. It's just a matter of where is it going. Lots to discuss, but before we do that, we're going we're gonna to go uh, shame, shamelessly pay some bills. We'll be right back after you listen to these products, services, in-house ads, etc. Hashtag ad. Money! eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard from a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location somewhere in the greater Knoxville area. Talking Tennessee football. Uh, talked a little, little Tennessee basketball there at the front, too. And we're going to have more with that later in the week when we have uh, the idiot who predicted 7-5. and five. Luckily, Grant Ramey will have him on later in the week. Talk a little Tennessee basketball, too. Big week. Uh, for those guys, big couple weeks coming up anyway for those guys. So lots to discuss there. Lots to discuss about football, though, primarily, which is what we're doing in this episode. And we're going to get back to that after a quick reminder, guys. Quick, quick, uh, quick plea for help. Uh, you call it a plea, a request, an urgent request for help. How about that? Go right now, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what really helps us out is if you go in there on a Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, 
Anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this very GoVols 24-7 podcast. And we do this for free, and we're happy to do it. All that we ask for is tell some friends, which helps, and go in there and rate and review and subscribe. That helps us add more wolves to this wolf pack. And I'm telling you, I, I, I'm not allowed to share these numbers, um, but generally speaking, I can tell you the the numbers just, you know, day over day, you know, week over week, month over month, year over year. They're great. They're great numbers. I mean, this has been uh, – there's never any shortage of things to discuss at Tennessee, which probably helps. But the way this thing's grown, we appreciate everyone who's already been rating, interviewing, and subscribing and telling friends. We appreciate that. We love you. For those who are not doing it, go yourself. That's our policy. And some people – and by some people, I mean Ryan Callahan have offered some resistance to this, but that's – I'm telling you, that, that that's his problem. If he wants to come over here and he wants to produce these podcasts, he can come up with a more polite way of saying it. I'm just going to tell it like it is. If you don't, if you don't help us, you know what to do. You're, you're with us or you're not, Pat. That, that's my thing. You're with us or you're not. Yeah, that's fine. See, there you go. That that that's actually the closest. Uh, that that's actually the nicest thing Patrick Brown has ever I, said to me. I think right there. I think that was the nicest, most agreeable communication he and I have ever had. Was right there. Well, I don't have a strong as strong an opinion as you do, which is not rare. <sighs> no, it's not. Uh, but I guess. Shall I'm, we get into short yard and shotgun? Uh, yeah, I'm 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 kind of paid to give to, to give some of these opinions. So yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, short short guarded short yarded shotgun sucks should be tossed into the ocean almost never to be heard from again it should be put like in a little message in a bottle and maybe 500 years from now some some ship somewhere will pick it up and uh, they will also remember that it sucks that that's that's my policy on this there's occasionally occasionally some matchups that make it okay but when you need to go like like less than a yard and you snap it five yards or four yards backwards. I just, it's just dumb, man. It's just dumb. I don't understand it. You want the ball going forward. You want the runner going forward with the ball. You want the quarterback extending his arms. It's not that hard. Just figure it out, guys. Figure it out. Pat, there's a lot going on this week. Obviously, it's Thanksgiving week, and and we should say that Josh Heupel came out there on Monday and said that the players who cannot get home for Thanksgiving have been cordially invited to either his house or to an assistant coach's house uh, where they and their wives will, will have, you know, turkey and ham and, and gravy and mashed potatoes and hopefully sweet potatoes, which are the world's best side dish and all sorts of other fun things for the guys to eat because it's kind of – you think of Thanksgiving, you think of family, you know, you think of friends, you, th- you think of football, you think of food. That's kind of in the South. That's sort of what – it's about, and I'm sure it's like that in other places too. But in the South, that's what I can speak on. Uh, th- those are sort of the 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 four pillars there, and uh, lots and lots of fun things. So I think it's good. It doesn't surprise me because the, he, he's been all about the family and being a player friendly environment. Uh, he was that way at UCF. He's been that way at Tennessee. Um, but Tennessee also has to prepare for a game and a big game because you know we'll say the same thing, or at least I will. If you are Tennessee and you do not take this game seriously, it could be uncomfortable. I don't know. I'm not going to say Vanderbilt can't win. I think it would be difficult for Vanderbilt to win. But if you're Tennessee, you have the opportunity to take this seriously, take care of business, and really rub their faces in it. Or you can go out there and you can mess around. And, Pat, you can you can be in for a tough game. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is going to be Vanderbilt's – this is – this is their. Is it Super Bowl? Yes. This is their national title game. Super this Bowl, bowl game, game, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. 
I mean, this is their last game. So uh, this is a this is a program that's lost twenty straight SEC games. They had some close calls earlier in the year. They had South Carolina on the ropes. Um, mm-hmm. Who else did they have? They played they played Missouri through four quarters, um, but they've been on the wrong end of some of some blowouts. And um, but they're still fighting hard. And, and they are playing hard play last against, week. Yeah. If you watched them against Ole Miss, they they hung around in that game after I think it was ten nothing real early, um, and, and rest of the game it was rest rest of the game. I'm not sure how the score played out. They ended up losing by two touchdowns, right? So and had a chance to um, cut it to and, one later in the game. And, and they played, you know, they made that Kentucky score respectable too. I don't know if uh, the Wildcats might have put the taken the foot off the gas, but it was thirty one to seven or three or I think it was thirty one to three at one point. But Vanderbilt just kept playing. They've got a they've got a different quarterback in there than what Tennessee has seen over the past couple of seasons. I don't think Ken Seals is their guy. I think it's Michael Wright, uh, who they used to use as sort of a red zone run, you know, running quarterback guy. So um, that's something Tennessee have to worry about. Uh, I think Chris Pierce is is their receiver that that's played pretty well this season. Yeah, I don't yeah. have the numbers in front of me, um, you know, so. Again, it's a limited team. It, it it obviously was a really difficult situation that Clark Lee took over uh, in Nashville. It's a tough job anyway. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I mean, if Tennessee doesn't, you know, if they're not sharp and focused, they could, you know, in, you know, have more drama in this game than they need to. And, you know, they need to be ready for stuff like South Alabama did last week with fake punts and onside kicks and going for seven times on fourth down. That's what Vanderbilt's going to do in this game because they've got literally nothing to lose, right? I mean, well yeah, um, and, and, know, and they're going to have a season they're going to have a season's worth of film showing how much Tennessee struggles to stop mobile quarterbacks, so they're going to put in a lot of quarterback run and scramble stuff because I sure as hell would. Right. And and I thought Tennessee did a good job against that uh, against South Alabama with that. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's, you know, and if you're Tennessee, you have to expect Vanderbilt's going to try to slow the game down, limit possessions. Yep. Um, and so on offense, you, you need to kind of do what you did last week where you score every time, right? If you score every time, you're generally probably going to win. So uh, that sounds – that's oversimplifying the thing. But, um, but yeah, and, you know, I, I think this game, like I said, I, my hot take in our predictions last week was that I thought South Alabama would be tougher than Vanderbilt because uh, it'll be easier for, for Tennessee to get up for this game because it's, it's senior, senior day, regular season finale you will have had sort of a breather after the, the game last week. So, um, but you still need to come out and, and, and handle business. And, and as Hypo likes to talk about, it's, it's a lot of it is done before they even get to Saturday with how they prepared during the week. And uh, I think he's liked what this team has, has continued to kind of do in practice during the week and, and how they prepare and how they uh, are focused coming into games. And so um, you you would expect that to continue. Obviously, it'll it'll it's a different week, right? Because you've got Thanksgiving. They'll probably have a little bit more fun, maybe than normal on Thursday. You know, they'll they'll do different stuff. Your, your routine is a little bit different. Yeah, last right? last tackle, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right, and then you know Saturday will be different for a handful of guys. Um, you know, we mentioned this, but Tennessee's getting a lot of key contributions from from guys that are going to be going through the tee for the last time on on Saturday, right? Yeah. Um, so that those guys are going to have to handle seeing their family, getting ovations from the crowd before the game because you're so used to your routine of, all right, you do this in warm-ups. Um, you've got the clock in the locker room. You're like, all right, at this time, you know where you're going to be. This time, you know where you're going to be. All those things, and it sort of gets disrupted. Uh, so they have to manage all of that. But um, if they're able to do that, I, you know, it's like Heifel said last week, 
that game, that South Alabama game was about Tennessee more than the opponent. And this game's the same way. If you're Tennessee, you come out and play like you're supposed to. You have the better team, uh, and you should handle business without having to sweat too much down the stretch. Yeah, I'll give you a few reasons. Before we talk about bowl games and, and get out of here, I, I, I'll give you a few reasons why, if you're Tennessee – you, you should be on high alert this week or, or you know, I, I don't think nervous or even anxious is the right word. I just think you need to be aware of a few things if you're Tennessee going into this week. One is uh, this is an in-state team with absolutely nothing to lose and its entire program, if, it, if the only thing that program can do is be your heel, it would happily do that. Uh, that they would love nothing more over there than to at least be like, yeah, well, we beat Tennessee. They'll sell merchandise off that. They're all kinds of stuff. It's a big game for them. Uh, and, and then they have nothing to lose. So, you, so you'll talk about all the fakes that Pat talked about, you know, some quarterback run stuff. Some, I mean, the, the, all the, they can throw the kitchen sink at this game because if you lose, who cares? If you win, that's a huge deal. Secondly, I will say this. Clark Lee is a very good defensive football coach. Uh, I don't think anybody can take anything away from him in there. He he has he is known across the game as someone who is a good defensive football coach. He also is obviously a, a Vandy guy at heart, so th- this means a lot to him too. And then this is something that I don't know if I've seen it mentioned yet, but I know it in my in my mind anyways, it's a big deal. Because we've said several times throughout the year, the only way that you can really even kind of sort of prepare for what Tennessee does offensively is if you have just recently played Ole Miss. Because Ole Miss is the closest thing you're going to see to Tennessee across the country in terms of the pace, in terms of the the, the yards per, per play, the, the points per minute, just the high octane. Ole Miss does that almost as, as quickly as Tennessee does it. And Vanderbilt just played Ole Miss last week. So Vanderbilt, now, th- this, this pace – should not shock Vanderbilt the way that it shocks just about everybody else in the first quarter. Tennessee wins a lot of these games against teams they should beat. They win them in the first quarter. They put them to bed in the first quarter. And Vanderbilt has just spent, now this will be, what, 10 practices or so consecutively, and then a game of playing something that is like this tempo. I mean, you had Georgia, which was, you know, trying two different scout offenses to run consecutive plays against the defense just to try to get those guys ready to play because everybody's trying something different because Tennessee just murders you in the first quarter. That's just what they do offensively. So Vanderbilt will have seen this now for two weeks, and I have to think, Pat, I have to think in my mind, logically, that's a factor. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's easy to say it's a factor, but Vanderbilt is or bottom of the SEC in total offense, sure, scoring. Sure. Oh, yeah. Scoring defense, total defense. and But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying if you don't – Take Vanderbilt out of the game in the first quarter. You you might make them believe and make it interesting. Yeah, but I mean, Ole Miss still put up seven yards a, a play against them. They only got sixty five plays, so um, yeah, I, you know, and and with Ole Miss, you never know how many times Lane went for it on fourth down, right? That's just the, <laughs> that's true. They might they might have they might have they could have probably kicked about four, four more field goals for all we know. I I didn't watch the whole game. I watched maybe a little bit of the first half the other night, but. Um, I just kept waiting for the score to get bigger, and it never did. Moments only went for it on fourth down one time in that game. So whoa, they get crazy. So no, that that's a good point though, because we talk about, uh, and I mentioned that last week with with South Alabama. I thought their defense came into that game very strong statistically in a lot of areas. I think they were in the top. I think they were seventeenth in total defense. But uh, playing Tennessee's defense is a shock to the system. You know, we saw it against Kentucky. We saw it against Georgia. 
Um, you know, they blitz Missouri and South Carolina, obviously. So they, it, it is tough to prepare for, and there's probably some credence that probably makes the preparation a little bit easier for Vanderbilt's defense. But you still have to go out and stop it, right? And, and you still have to go out and, uh, and, and, you know, the personnel with Tennessee and Ole Miss is different um, in a lot of ways. Sure. So, um, and, and, you know, we, we kind of talked about that when they, during the week of that game, you know, the, the Tennessee and Ole Miss, they're offensively are, are familiar, but not identical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, that, that goes to it, but I, I think the bigger thing in this game is that Vanderbilt's going to pull out every stop they have any trick play double passes. You got to worry about all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, and those are the things that, that could make this game more interesting maybe than, Oh, they played against Ole Miss because, uh, there are things that, that they didn't do in that game that they're going to do in this game, you know? So, uh, if you're Tennessee, you have to be prepared for those things. And, um, you know, we saw last week, they gave a fake punt, even though South Alabama faked like they were faking a punt and then they faked it anyway. Still worked. Um, yeah. And, I, and, and was, in fairness, I think Jeremy Banks was the one person who definitely saw that it was going to happen, but then he got blocked and, and couldn't get to the, to the ball carrier. So. Right. And, and that was a prime position for a fake and, you know, an onside kick you had you had to think that was coming out in the second half so um and, and that's that's got to be Vanderbilt's game plan is you have to come maybe try to steal a possession or two um and then slow the game down and limit possessions that that's the way to stay in this game and, and make things interesting and um I mean I, I was surprised to see the line was 31 uh on Sunday I thought that was a little bit higher than I thought it would be but um, I, I was and, I was, and, I was and, thinking 26 27 25 somewhere and we, in there. And we you know, going back to the Georgia game, we were talking about, okay, how can Tennessee get the game in the fourth quarter, put some pressure on Georgia. That's that's the position that Vanderbilt's going to be in. They're going to try to put the game, extend the game into the fourth quarter and, and make Tennessee, uh, you know, respond to some pressure. Because if it, if it's a tight game in the fourth quarter, all the pressure's on Tennessee. They're the favorite, you know, team. They're, that, that, you know, if the game's close in the fourth quarter, you know, there will be anxiety and some groaning in the stadium, right? Sure, so sure. Yeah. Um, that that's what – if you're Tennessee, like you said, you get that they have to find a way to avoid that situation um, in this game. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll see if they do that. We'll have a little bit more time later in the week to to discuss this game, and we'll talk some some hoops too. Then, but before we get out of here, we do need to mention this last thing about bowls. Um, it, it's interesting because you know last week you saw South Carolina win, which most people weren't expecting. So now. You know, Carolina is going to be uh, is going to be in a bowl. So, thing you know, you had Florida lose again. You know, you had you know now Missouri is going to be you know a, you know a bowl team. So, so there's lots of things that are a little bit different now. You know, Kentucky did did win, so Kentucky will now be um, or Kentucky is probably going to be two wins better than Tennessee if it beats Louisville on Saturday. So that sort of means it has to go. Uh, sort of legally speaking, has to go to a better bowl than Tennessee in some ways or a bigger purse bowl. So so there's lots of moving pieces there that may have changed the calculus a little bit. I still think when you break it down, the most interesting thing that happened for Tennessee or, or what was probably South Carolina winning last week because now maybe South Carolina to the Dukes-Mayo Bowl makes a lot more sense. And so now – is Tennessee more likely for the Music City Bowl now? I still think there's a chance at something like Jacksonville, um, but I don't know if they'll want to go there for the third time in seven or eight years. I, 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 we'll see. Um, but it, it looks to me like if you're maybe handicapping it, if things go according to chalk on Saturday, 
maybe, you know, Nashville, Charlotte, Jacksonville as the order of most likely. I, I don't know, Pat. I mean, that's sort of – there's there's some wild cards out there, but that, that seems to be the range. Well, the – Everyone should have learned by now that this is that this process is as clear as mud. Yes, and, and right in, now everybody intentionally just so intentionally clear as mud, so that that gives the SEC flexibility to do what it wants to do. It's it's a complicated process, and a lot of it has nothing to do with Tennessee, right? Yes. Um, there's a lot of football left to be played, so everybody right now is just guessing. Um, the situation is is. It depends on how many teams the SEC gets in the playoff and in New Year's six games. So you're you're talking about, you know, assuming Georgia and Alabama both win this weekend and they play each other, how does that game go? Do they both get in the playoff? Uh, Ole Miss is 12th right now. They would probably be in a New Year's six game. Um, if they beat Mississippi State on, on Thursday night, um, does Texas A&M at 16, do they move up in the rankings? Is there a situation where the SEC gets four teams into those those CFP New Year's six games? That'll bump everybody up the slot. Um, and then, you know, what does Tennessee do? They're in that tier, like you mentioned, with Kentucky. Uh, obviously, if Kentucky finishes two games ahead of them, I don't think they can – I don't think Tennessee can get a quote-unquote better bowl. But it's not, it's not a pecking order, so to speak. It's not like this bowl picks after this bowl. It's – after all, the, the New Year's Six and the CFP games are chosen, the Citrus Bowl does get to pick. And then there's six games that the SEC works with the game, works with the bowls and works with the, the, their teams to, to sort of fill out. Tennessee obviously will, will be uh, an attractive opponent because um, the way they travel and their momentum. So that, they'll be a lot more appealing than maybe some of these other teams. But So could be, Jackson, um, could, could be Jacksonville if things check out the right way. Again, they may not. You know, that thing, the thing with Jacksonville is, do they want Tennessee for a third time? But look at the two times that Tennessee went there. It was a great crowd, right? Yeah. Huge, you know, big ticket sales. I know the people in Nashville, Music City Bowl wants them. Uh, Memphis always wants them, obviously, and certainly after thinking they had them last year, only for Tennessee to pull out of that game, uh, they'll probably want them again. I don't think that that'll be the case, but uh, at, at this point, Tennessee, and there is a, you know, there is based on record. I think there is sort of a you know, some certain teams get priority. So if you're Tennessee, you're worried about, okay, does Arkansas beat Missouri? Are they eight and four? Um, if Mississippi State beats Ole Miss, they'll be eight and four. And that might mess up who gets, if there's somebody gets into the New Year's Six game. So uh, there's a lot of things that they could play into, into factor. And, and certainly South Carolina going to Charlotte would make a lot of sense then for the SEC and for them and for that game, as opposed to sending South Carolina somewhere else. So, yeah, like that changes I, like, that. Yeah, I've seen some projections that have like Arkansas going to Charlotte, and I'm thinking I just don't see how the hell the SEC would do that unless there was just no choice. That just the, there's other destinations to send that team. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me unless they have no choice. And, and it could get more complicated if Florida beats Florida State. I don't think it's going to happen. Or if LSU beats Texas A&M, that's probably not going to happen. But those two teams are both five and six. You could throw them in there. How to you know that would be 13 of the 14 SEC teams bowl eligible. So. What the hell happens there? Who knows? And so, uh, again, I, a week ago, I would have said probably Nashville or Charlotte would be their most likely situations. I don't see them getting to the Outback Bowl. I don't. I don't think that that's. Um, I, let, I don't see a path. Maybe. To that. Maybe if Kentucky loses to Louisville, maybe. But see that. Maybe that's that's oversimplifying it because there's four other results that could depend on that could factor into that, and I think. No, uh, for I, that to happen. That yeah, I'm just saying. I think if if Kentucky loses, that that makes it more of a jumble where 
there's not a, it's not a, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like that jumbles the pack a little bit more if that happens. It might. I mean, like I said, there's a hundred possibilities for this. And right now everybody's just guessing because there's too much football to be played. So uh, it, it's fun to speculate on. And, and some of the matchups, obviously, if they went to Nashville, they'd play a Big Ten team. Um, some of the teams I've seen projected there are like Minnesota, Iowa, Penn State, maybe that would be a uh, Tennessee Penn State. They have a lot of bowl history there. There's obviously the James Franklin angle. It sounds like he might be staying there um, and not going somewhere else. Some of the other jobs he's been mentioned for Tennessee can maybe relate to that <laughs> from yeah. a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they ended up in Charlotte, they'd be playing an ACC team. Obviously, Clemson comes to mind. Um, NC State was a popular projection last week. North Carolina could be. Uh, a fun game in, in Charlotte as well if they went there. And then uh, I think the ACC is also involved in uh, in Jacksonville. So um, those are potentially fun games that are, are good matchups that, that Tennessee could up, end up in. I don't think they'll end up in the Liberty Bowl, but that's a Big 12 tie-in. So maybe you get an Iowa State, maybe a Kansas State. Um, and, and maybe in, in, in that game, if, if that was how it went. But as we've seen, you know, we're, we're – however many days out from that Sunday where all this is sorted out those that Sunday can get pretty crazy. Right. I mean, we had, you know, two years ago, we had people reporting both locally and nationally that Tennessee was going here and they weren't, and it was not a done deal. So um, there could be late twists. And, and like you said, um, depending on how the last week of this season goes and who wins and who loses, there could be a lot of jostling and, and a jumbled mess as, as teams sort of jockey for uh, the positions that, or the, the games that they want to go to the most. So long way to go, but it's it's good to be talking about this rather than not, right? Yeah, a Tennessee Florida State Outback Bowl could be interesting. You know, or I'm sorry, a Tennessee I'm Tennessee Florida State uh Tax Slayer Gator Bowl or whatever it's called now. The one in Jacksonville. Uh that that could be interesting. There's all sorts of interesting things out there. And and I remember the I'll never forget the day that it was like within a half hour window, maybe like thirty five minutes. I don't want to exaggerate, maybe about thirty five minutes. There was a time where Mike Hamilton was convinced, like in 30 or 35 minutes, that Tennessee was going to four different bowls. And when he when he thought it, he was like, this is all but signed. And th- that's how quickly things can change on and this that, was, day. that and that was bef- And that was before the process where they did the, the six games together and the SEC pulls them out. That was uh, – the process has gotten even potentially more convoluted since then. Yes, it has. Uh, but, yeah, you're right, Pat. I think it's a good note to end on that – it's fun to be discussing these things because it was just 10 or 11 months ago where we were thinking, my God, when, can they even get to six? What, what, what's going to be the case? So it's a much, much, much more enjoyable conversation. So, Pat, unless you got anything else, I think we can go ahead and uh, wrap it up and uh, move on. Unless you got something else. If you do, that's cool. Nope. See you later. I didn't think so. I, I thought I'd ask, though. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Bye, Wes. Thanks. And you know what, guys? If I can find that button. There it is. Now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else. You can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7. And that page is updated all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. But if you want the best, most delicious, sparkling, clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, 
Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Lots of stuff there going on. Lady Vols, again, huge weekend for them. Maria Cornelius covers them all year long. Tons and tons and tons of stuff on there. we got two forms that run around the clock. we got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, all kinds of time zones. No matter what, we got people in Asia, got people in Europe. You know, all over the place, tons and tons of Tennessee fans out there discussing things round the clock, round the clock. And all five of us are on the staff. We're there all day, every day. So if you want to talk to us, you can get access to us directly there all day. Get all of that plus access to, you know, the best database out there in sport, the best recruiting database for sure out there. Lots and lots of that stuff too. A couple dozen fresh content items every day. All of that for less than one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs. That's all it costs. And that's after a seven-day free trial, too, to give it a to give it a spin. Nothing wrong with that. And if you pay us that ridiculously, ridiculously reasonable rate, you get on top of that access to Paramount Plus in perpetuity. As long as you're a full-paying member with us, you get access for free. Never going to change for free to Paramount Plus, which is an, just a growing just a behemoth of a streaming service there that uh, CBS Viacom has got. It's got every show CBS has ever made commercial free, tons of exclusive stuff that's only on Paramount Plus and tons of new movies, tons of old movies, tons of new great looking shows with like Hollywood A-listers and stuff. Like this is big time stuff. You get access to all of that. Plus things from the, from the catalogs of, you got MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, Comedy Central, all of that. All of that. Plus live sports, Vols, SEC, March Madness, NCAA Tournament, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, World Cup qualifiers, all of that. That's like, we're giving you like $400 worth of stuff for like 100 bucks a year. Go to GoVols247.com right now and take advantage of it. No, no worrying about the... Uh, uh, about the, uh, the the supply chain. Don't got to worry about that. We're there all the time. Digital, easy, great holiday gift. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us uh, by Thursday unless there's big breaking news before then. So until then, be nice to each other. Have some empathy. There's not enough of it in the world. Be nice to each other. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.